Listen, oh. Islanders, you're going to take it up the ass tomorrow. <laughs> Might have to edit that one out. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 52nd episode of High and Wide Radio. I'm Jim, here as always with Jack and Kyle, the stars of last night's Flyers Therapy. What's going on, boys? I'll let Kyle take this. Kyle, how you feeling? I'm a little hungover, but I, I'm, I'll be all right. I'll live. <laughs> like a basic hockey bitch. There it is. I was waiting to see how long it took. Somebody... <laughs> Jim loves that soundbite. That's going to be my ringtone on Jim's phone. Actually, if I could figure, I was trying to figure out how to way to get it on my laptop to figure out how to get it on there so I could just use it whenever I wanted, and I haven't figured it out yet, but I will. It's um, going to be a new derogatory term I use against somebody who says something that disagrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> You're a BHB, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so interesting episode last night i thought it was actually really good you guys went in depth about the game so we're kind of gonna touch around some things about last night touch on some positive uh touch on some things that have been going around on twitter of course uh the old ghost versus hag debate popped up again since uh apparently hag was on the ice for a goal or two was it uh i thought i saw minus one uh and then obviously everybody's shitting all over Nate Thompson. Kyle, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, there's a lot of positives. So let's get to the positives here, guys. So all playoff long, we've been waiting for guys to kind of show up. The big guns, right? That's what we've been saying. Uh, and I'm talking about guys like JVR, Claude Giroux, uh, even Sean Couturier. Matt Niskanen was the guy that we weren't expecting to get on the board, but he did. Uh, connect me had two assists, two assists last night. Scotty Lawton goal and an assist finally shows up for the first time since round Robin. Uh, Kevin Hayes looks like Kevin Hayes. They're here. They've shown up finally. I mean, we're in game fucking, we're going to be in game six tomorrow night, but better late than never. How are you guys feeling? Are you feeling co- more confident? Cause this is the Flyers team that we've been watching. Are you guys kind of still like, eh, I don't know if I, if I should fully buy in again yet. I'm, I'm still on the fence. 110%. I want them to win. Don't get me wrong at all. But, like, I cannot get my hopes up because it will be crushing for me if they lose. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, like, expected them to get one. But, like, having watched the game and being so emotionally involved, I'm, like, incredibly happy. But I'm also keeping in mind that they gave up a three to one lead and barely got that victory in overtime. And, you know, I had told Kyle last night. Game six is the real game for me where I'll be like, they have a chance here, obviously, because they'll have tied the series. But it's just to come back from three to one. This is the big game. You, a lot of people expect them to get one more. But to win game six and force game seven, that'll put all the momentum in, you know, on their end. And I don't know what's going to happen with personnel or whatnot, but that would be shocking. So I kind of expected at least one more f- win fight out of them, which they barely got. Although they looked like the better team for the majority of the game, which was really good. Um, but to say that I have the confidence that they'll win the series, that's that's a little far-fetched at this point. I don't know if I have confidence that they're going to win. I mean, I did 
I picked the Flyers in seven, and That's I'm gonna nice. stand. I'm gonna stand by that. You know, I'm uh, this whole series. I've been kind of waiting for them to come around. The whole playoffs I haven't really been excited because I haven't felt like we're watching the Flyers team that we knew, and they don't just disappear. You know, they're in there somewhere. They just have to be pulled out. And I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to any uh, Vino's uh, pressers the last couple of days before the game, but he was specifically calling out, you know, his veteran guys, Giroux, Voracek, JVR. I think he said something to the tune of, you know, if these guys want to change their legacy, this is the series to do it in. You know, because let's face it, these guys, it's pretty easy to call them losers. They've been in the playoffs. They haven't gotten past the first round, you know, in and out of the playoffs. Haven't done shit. We've been saying it. You know, when they were losing, it was, it was really easy to say. You know, these guys are entitled. They haven't won. And they're walking around like their shit doesn't stink. A.V. called them out. And you know who really showed up for me yesterday? Who was really, like, caught my eye? Jake Voracek. I'm not sure if he, sh- if he showed up on the score sheet. But he was playing like a man possessed yesterday. Especially during the overtime. Yeah, and he was playing, he was playing big, too. Yep. Like, he wasn't... He wasn't just doing his Jake Voracek circle around on the forecheck. He was getting in on the forecheck, and that's exactly what you need. You need at least one player on every line that's going to crash and bang down low and try to get that puck, which they weren't getting in the, the, the loss games that we had. And that's the one thing that concerns me with this club. It's like, okay, you know, when, when we won so far this series, the two games we won, they barely scraped them by. Although, like we alluded to, they both look, both games they look like the better team for, I'd say the majority of the game. When the Islanders turn it on, the Flyers just don't look like they have an answer for it, and that's the the, the one piece that really concerns me. And I, you know, I I called the Flyers in seven, but I thought the series was going to be a lot more even, like a lot more give and take. I thought, you know, we win one, they're going to win one. We're going to win one. They're going to win one. But the Islanders, I thought that after game five, I'm like, man, the Flyers really played a good game and still lost, and that sucks. And now they're in the worst predicament possible going down 3-1. But they showed some grit last night playing their game for pretty much 60 minutes. I, I don't really know what happened in the, the third there when they kind of sat back a little too much. But if they can mimic that performance but just not stop playing at some point in the third period, they can take game six, man. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. So the first, gym, like what you guys said about Voracek, yeah, I have seen a fire lit under several players' asses. Uh, Voracek, I like that he gets down and gets gritty and gets the puck out. He does need to make better decisions with the puck. He did have a couple of turnovers. None of them cost him, luckily. Uh, but he did look like he was trying, and that's all you can really ask for. The guy who stood out for me, and he has the last couple of games, uh, was Drew. I think he finally, it was great to see him finally convert. He had really been pressing, especially the uh, game five or game four, rather. Um, and it, it looked like frustration was starting to build. He had an awkward uh, interview going into the first intermission, which me and Kyle touched on last night. Um, it, to the point where Keith Jones had even said, like, yeah, Flyers are looking really good up until that interview, which was I've never heard that one before. But the point is, he got the goal in the second. They were looking good. Um yeah, the, with the concerning thing is, and when I picked the Flyers in seven as well, I agree with Kyle. Not so much that they, like this, they would win, like go back and forth winning games, but the games themselves, they would be 
closer and it's been all islanders like in all their wins it's been or the islanders wins it's been all islanders and both flyers wins that went to overtime i think the game two was their first win the first period was all the flyers the next two was the islanders and we i think we got lucky in overtime with that shot that that shot got so lucky where it bounced and how it deflected in uh where last night's goal was more of a design play um they look better for the majority of last night, except for like the last five to 10 minutes, of course, the Islanders get two goals and force overtime. Uh, so you could chalk it up to if it's, we played five games, that's how many periods I think the flyers outplayed them for three or four of them. Like that's not even by any stretch of the imagination. And if they're going to win game six, they're going to have to at least match them for every period and even outwork them or out hustle them for, even more because they have everything to lose. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I am glad that some guys finally broke through and I'm, it's good to see them play hard for a longer period of time, but it's time to, to give us the full 60. If they're going to have a chance here. Let's touch on Drew a little bit more. So you brought him up, <laughs> finally gets off to Schneid scores a goal on this one. Uh, you know, you kept hearing, uh, and let me just say some, because it's really easy to go, oh, Giroux's one goal in his last 25 playoff games, blah, blah, blah. Like, we've seen some of these fucking teams that he's been on. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, cut the guy some slack. You know, he's been, he, he was on some really bad teams in that Pittsburgh series, series, really bad teams in that Washington series. And they were going up against some of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Not making excuses for him, but like, the other team could roll out four lines. The Flyers had one, like legit one line. So it's like, it's almost kind of like unfair. And you could see it in Jeru's face. He's like, fuck these guys, man. That's all they want to bring up. Like, I don't know. But also to the other side, like, dude, now you have guys. Now you have players. Do something. Like, do something to make everyone shut up. And I think you're right. The last two games, he's he's shown noticeably more effort, I'm going to say. Because there are guys that have been saying, oh, Giroux's out there every shift giving us all. All right, sure. The last two games, though, noticeably, he was. you could clearly see Claude Giroux was juiced up the last couple games. Notice, I, I saw noticeable difference. And, and what do you guys think? Well, I'll say, just because I brought it up, yeah, the people who make comments about the one goal in however many games, they, they feel to me, and I might catch some flack for this, like very casual fans. Like they're just like, oh, we should have got rid of them three years ago. Or whatever. Like I, that drives me nuts because those teams had no business being in the playoffs. Hackstall is an absolute joke. Steve Mason was playing some of the worst goaltending of his career. On top of guys at McDonald's were out in key situations. Drew couldn't do everything himself. And he tried and he did during the regular season. Like nobody talks about how he scored a hat trick to make the playoffs uh, that one year against the Rangers. Like that was a big, but nobody talks about it because it wasn't a playoff game. It was for the Flyers, but it wasn't technically a playoff game. Um he scored 30 goals once and once in his life. Like he's never been like a massive goal scorer. Well, that's the joke. Like, what are they going to do? Pass the puck into the net? Like, that's what they, Tim and Voracek, that's what they do. Pass, pass, pass. And then Couturier is a defensive guy first. Yeah. You, you know, so it's like, that's our line. And we're expecting these big things out of them. Like, uh, it's just not happening. Like, I would like, I was hoping they would change up the lines a little bit and they kind of teetered a little bit. But remember, Montreal and the Islanders are not letting anybody do a whole lot of scoring, especially the Islanders. So we're going to ask somebody who's never been in Ovechkin to just suddenly break through. At the same time, 
I understand some of the other frustration because I've had it myself in the sense that he is out there a lot and he takes up a lot of ice time. And yeah, you can play as hard as you want. That only gets you so far. At some point, you have to produce results. I don't necessarily need him to be the one to get the goal, but I need him to be on the ice starting or finishing the play that gets the goal. And we weren't seeing that. Very rare. I think for a while he had six assists, and that included like the first round and the round robin. That was not enough. So it was good to see him finally break through. The goal always just like, it just feels like a monkey's off your back. And I think the play will start to, it won't be so forced. He won't be gripping the stick as tightly. And I think that's a good thing that he scored. But the effort has been there. But at some point you have to get results, especially if you're getting that much ice time. And, you know, yesterday was a good, a good way to, I hope he can piggyback off yesterday's performance and that could win us game six. You know, <laughs> the one thing I, I really liked from yesterday's game is the the traffic in front of the net. I mean, we were getting to those areas faster than the Islanders were, and it showed because all three goals were deflection goals. There wasn't a, a, a well, with the exception of Niskanen's, but the the rest of the goals were all deflected deflected goals. I mean, that's what you need to do in order to beat the Islanders and to see them accomplish that and get some footing and, and have the guys who were doing it do it. I mean, that's that's important. I like seeing that. Well, you actually brought up a good point. There was one more goal that wasn't a deflection, but that was the JVR goal. They don't get a lot of uh, odd man rushes in this series and to see them cash in on one was huge, and we needed every goal we could get, obviously, as the game went to overtime. And it was good to see him go on the scoreboard as well. Yeah, it was nice to see. I'm, I'm hoping that breaks him out real quick into one of his three goals in four games or four goals in two games or whatever the hell he's going to do, but we could couldn't sure as hell use it. I couldn't agree more, <laughs> yeah. Especially now with Coots going down, yeah. I think he's got it in him, man. He's been flying around a little bit the last couple games. It seems like he found a home on that line. He he enjoys playing with lots. Gets him the puck. He's had if he he needs to be a little bit more patient, but he's had some good looks. And what's this line now that I keep hearing about? Because I I would love to see Giroux and JVR, but I keep hearing Law and JVR and and who else was who else is it? It was Pitlick. Pitlick with them. That's an interesting Man. line. Pitlick's a fucking workhorse, dude. That's he just you dump, get the... you dump that puck deep, and Pitlick goes and gets it. Yeah, and that, yeah, and that's the only way you're getting in on the Islanders. You got to get somebody who can get the puck, win board battles, and Pitlick's even when he doesn't win the board battles or isn't doing that, he's still a pest. Like he's so fast, and he's just all over the ice. And you just need that disruption, disruption play, Dis- disruption. <laughs> I can't. I can't say it. Yeah, disruptive play, and that just that forces turnovers, and it also creates chances for you. And when you have skilled guys on the ice that can put the puck in the back of the net, he's just a very good complementary player to those players. And we saw it last night. I agree. So we mentioned a couple guys got off the schneid. We talked Giroux. We talked JBR. Talked Law in a little bit. Niskanen finally got on the score sheet, and he's been having not a not so great playoffs. What do you think a goal like that does for a guy like him? He's kind of an emotional leader, I think, on this team. Been around the block, 
Maybe his confidence has been lacking a little bit. I saw a stat. I think Charlie O'Connor put it out. He has, until last night, I'm not sure if he had another one, if he had any last night, he had not had any zone entries uh, the entire return to play. None. Whereas he didn't skate the puck into the uh, offensive zone and he didn't pass the puck into the offensive zone. He didn't have a single one, which I think is a big deal for one of your top pairing defensemen. What do you think a goal does for his confidence going forward? I think it does wonders. I mean, he's the veteran guy on the back end that we're, they're all looking up to, and he had not looked good in de- on defense and definitely on offense. So to see him get it, it was a pretty nice goal too. I mean, he really picked his spot and hit it. And you could tell he was pumped up after that. And uh, I'm hoping that he remembers what his role is here and he's a little bit smarter defensively, but also, you know, jumps in at five on five because we're not getting enough of that. And um, if he were to just do what he's used to be doing, it could create opportunities for others. I, I don't necessarily look to him to score, but I look to him to cycle and make smart decisions. I mean, he is the veteran guy. So that I'm hoping that he gets back on track. And I don't think it'll, it would take much for a guy like him to get back on track. So that was good to see, too. I didn't really think of it at the time, but now that you brought it up, yeah, I mean, it could go, it could do wonders. I thought you were going to say something there, Carl. You faked us out. Sorry, yeah. bud. You got nothing on this, Kinnan. No, I mean, I'd like to see it. Uh, two guys that I really wanted to bring up um, who had, I thought, had a fantastic game yesterday stepping up into the play was Sanheim and Myers. They both had their legs last night. I mean, they weren't. Um, bad defensively. They're never really bad defensively. I mean, they have their odd games here and there, but they're best when they're moving their legs and bringing the puck out of the zone and skating forward. I mean, you've seen it on uh, on Phil Myers, who's just raising his value exponentially in the in this damn bubble. He's going to cost a lot of money if he keeps this shit up. But... <laughs> But it's not a bad thing to see. I mean, I really enjoy watching them play. And with Niskanen, I mean, if you can get if you can get three defensemen really going, that's that's going to win you games. And obviously, it's win or go home. So we need all these guys going. Let me ask you guys real quick because I'm glad you brought these two up. I feel like these guys have been a little bit MIA during this playoff round and. These are, and I know Myers is a rookie. These are two guys the Flyers count on. If if Provorov and Niskanen aren't right, this is your number two defensive pairing. And when you think of Sandheim and Myers, uh, what's the first word that pops into into your head, Jack? We'll start with you first. Future. I mean, Future. I, I think they they potentially could do some big things down the road. And I, I mean, I'm I'm actually. I get it defensively, but I actually think they've scored some pretty big goals throughout these playoffs. Uh, Myers had an overtime goal. Uh, He had a goal against Montreal where they were trying to forge a comeback. I think they had scored, and he came right back and scored. I think that was Montreal. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so he's had some big goals. Uh, Sandheim scored. I I can't remember what game that was, but it hit the post. Oh, yeah, that was uh, the the elimination game against Montreal where it hit the post, hit off a price, and went back in. So they have been there. I wouldn't say completely non-existent. And when I think of issues, they're not the first to come to mind, but we got to remember they're still young. So to expect them to 
jump up and do big things. I think if they start doing that, they're going to make mistakes. And this is not a team I want to see them do that to. I want them to go back to basics. Yeah, if an opportunity is there, take it. But I want them to be more steady defensively, if anything, and just let the game come to them in a, in a, in a sense. Uh, their time will come. They're still young. Right now, we're looking at guys like Provorov. And he's, uh, listen, he's all over the ice. He's been, he's been very good. But he's, he's almost like how we talk about heart. Like, they're very awesome. They're amazing. But there are little, there are little leaky mistakes that, because they're on the ice so much, it, it has cost the team a bit. And it's, I hate to talk negatively about Provorov because he's been so good, but he does turn a puck, puck over a decent amount. Okay, Carl. First word that pops to your mind when you hear Sanheim Myers. Defensive speed. Interesting. Um, their their ability to close gaps is unreal, and at their age, their hockey IQ is damn near off the charts. They, it's rare. Obviously, like we alluded to, they're they're both young, so mistakes are going to happen. Like the, when they both went behind the net with Couturier and left the guy in front of the net wide open, that was that was a pretty glaring mistake, and that's going to happen. But for the most part, for their age. They're defensively sound. I mean, they're your second pair in defensemen, and there's a lot of teams that could really use two guys like that. And to, to think about how you got them, one, obviously you drafted, and then the other was not drafted, and you picked them up, undrafted free agent, that would a sign, man. I, I just, like Jack said, too, future, obviously. I mean, they're definitely... They're definitely going to be here for a while. I don't see how either of them go anywhere, but their speed, their ability to close gaps, their stick positioning, everything's sound, especially for their age, which is unreal, to be honest with you. So here's something I'm a little bit surprised about, and I I agree with both you guys. You know, obviously their future, uh, they have a lot of room to grow. They're only going to get better. They're like uh, gazelles. On defense, you know, if they got to make up ground, they're going to make it up in a couple strides. But I would like to see a little bit more offensively from them. I just like we're, we're I feel like all we've seen is Provorov loading up bombs. Who else have you seen offense from defense? I mean, okay, yeah, we have the uh, the round robin OT winner from Myers, but other than that, and like the Sandheim goal, like this is just kind of playing a little bit devil's advocate here. Kind of fluky, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. These guys have the skill. Um, I th- I'm sure they're being coached to play a certain way, no doubt. But I would like to see them unleashed a little bit because these guys can f- they can flat out fly. And I'm not sure New York would have an answer if these guys were kind of released in the offensive zone. They have a lot of speed. You know, let them let them jump in plays. Let them do things. I'm glad you brought up Myers, Kyle, because I thought he had an outstanding game. Right away. Like, he was jousting with somebody in front of Carter Hart. I haven't seen that out of Myers all series. He's a big dude. Use your strength. And to me, that told me that, okay, he's mentally in this game. He, they're not. He's not going to let anybody push him around, you know, because he's a young kid. It's easy to get pushed around, especially against a team like the Islanders. A bunch of, they're a veteran team. They know what they're doing. That, to me, was a sign that, all right, these guys, are their heads are in the fucking game tonight. They're not going to... Uh, allow the Islanders to, to dictate play, you know? 
I don't know. I, I want to see more from these guys. They have the skill. So for me, when I think of Sanheim Myers, I'm like, okay, offense. These guys are offensively gifted. Let's see a little bit more. Let them go. Because you're not getting it from anybody else defensively. Let them fly around the ice. Having said that, I don't know. Maybe they're not the best defensive pair to cover for each other yet. I'm not sure. So maybe they're focusing on defense first. Maybe that's why. But that that's my two cents on that pairing. Yesterday, I, I thought they were both skating extremely well. I mean, I, there was a couple plays in the first period, especially. Sandheim took the puck from the blue line on a, an Islanders turnover and skated it all the way into their zone before he dumped it. But that's what you need to see. Like, use those legs, man. Like, you mm-hmm. call them gazelles. Use them. You get the puck, skate it the hell up. I mean, obviously, don't try to force plays or anything, and don't try to pull a ghost spinorama at the blue line for whatever reason. But use them. Use them legs. Use that body. Like you said, I would love to see <coughs> Phil Myers be just a little meaner. Bro, you're 6'5". Be mean. Get mean. Yeah, I mean, I totally hear what you're saying, um, particularly what Jim wants to see out of these guys. If we were in a series with Tampa right now, I'd probably be like, yeah, absolutely. It's the fact that it's the Islanders, and you you just you have to be careful with mistakes, and these guys are young. And the one good news is they do get back. If, if something goes, does go wrong, they will get back. Uh, but I kind of like what Kyle was saying about getting how focused Myers was and using his body. I want to see him do more of that defensively and just use that offensive skill for like breakout passes and, you know, join the rush when you got the other team kind of scrambling to get back because you'd played so well defensively and yeah, use your body. Absolutely. Even Sanheim's a big dude. He's not so much as bulky, but he's, he's tall, you know? And so I want to see them force turnovers, get the puck out as soon as possible and join the rush and then, but mainly keep that defense in mind because you just can't get behind with this team, and you can't risk, um, you can't risk getting down. And I, in game six and seven, I'm gonna look to I'm gonna look to guys like Giroux, Provorov, Warcheck, guys who are the veterans to you know handle the goal scoring and all that. And want the other guys to just keep it simple so we don't get into trouble because if we go down too big against these guys, we're not coming back. We haven't done it against this team yet. So uh, that's why I agree with what you're saying. I'm just a little iffy on doing it, seeing it with the Islanders. Understandable. So since we're talking about defensemen a little bit, let's get into the old Hagris ghost debate guys. And, you know, last night was a game for the Hague haters to kind of come out and, you know, rear their ugly heads and, you know, talk whatever shit they want. And I got to be honest with you. Like, a lot of these guys, it looks like they enjoy like when he messes up. And it's like, how could you be rooting for that? Like, I don't know. So uh, I don't want to get on those guys too badly because I think some of these guys might listen to the show. Thank you for listening. But let's <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do this debate, guys. Ghost over Hag. Who do you guys got and why? Hag all day. Because in I, this at least series, I know what I'm getting. In this series, oh. definitely Hag. You 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 can't have ghosts in this series he's not going to win any puck battles he's not going to get you possession he yeah he might give you that little offense at times that you were looking for jim when you kind of alluded to that myers and sandheim question well if that's what you're going for you might as well ask matt myers or sandheim to do it because he's going to turn the puck over a lot he's going to get knocked off the puck very easily this is not the team you deploy ghost against. I would rather just take my chances with hag hag is a sixth, seventh defenseman for a reason. We know that 
So when accidents happen or things happen and people start acting all surprised, like this is a very good team we're playing. We are in the second round of the playoffs. We are doing everything we can to not be eliminated. You know, they're good at what they do. They have the best coach in the league. You know, the, you can't say put everything on Hag and then know what he is, and then, but be surprised when he's not a top-four defenseman. Well, he's not a top-four defenseman. Why are you surprised? I think it comes from frustration. When you're mad, I used to do it with McDonald all the time. If there, if there was, wasn't always a game where it was directly his fault, but if there was a little thing he did, I would over over analyze it because I was angry. I was angry, and he's an easy target. Hag is nothing but an easy target, and that's what they do. That's a good point. Yeah, Kyle, what do you think, dude? I just, I mean, Hag and Braun both had terrible games yesterday. I mean, I don't think either of them played very well. Yeah, I mean, but, we can admit that. But you you know what you're getting with them. Like, okay, you shorten their shifts a little bit. You, you don't give them as many shifts. How, do you, how are you supposed to do that with Ghost? Hmm. Like, because Ghost doesn't compliment Braun at all, and they don't play well together. And you're not going to break up Provorov and Niskanen. And you're definitely not going to break up Sanheim and Myers. So he just doesn't fit. There's no fit for you. So I don't like, I don't understand what the argument is. Yeah. Is Ghost a more talented offensive hockey player? Yes. There's no fucking debate there. Who's the better defenseman? Hag. There's no debate there anymore. There's just not. And in this series, it's defense. Like, that's what you got to focus on. Yes, offense is great, but you got to rely on your top forwards and your, your your forward group in general to provide that. You can't rely on your defense getting out of position like Ghost does because all you're going to do is lose by more than one or two or three goals. Yeah, so I was going to actually try to defend Ghost here, but, like, while, you're, while I'm listening to you guys, I'm thinking of, like, well, they could use him for this. And I'm like, well, no, they can't. So... I heard I saw somebody post something on Twitter that the Flyers should insert Ghost into this lineup because they could use him for power plays. And I think I mentioned it maybe on the last episode we did that there's not going to be that many power plays in this series, and there haven't been. So you're going to have Ghost out there mostly five on five against this Islanders team. And what have we seen this Islanders team do very well? Forecheck and pressure the puck in the Flyers' defensive zone. Guess who's going to be a fucking turnover machine? Hi, Shane Gossespierre. That's what he does, right? You, you, if you force him to play the puck, if you force him to pass, he's always going to make the wrong pass, you know? So with Robert Haig, at least you know he's going to just try to chip the puck out of the zone. He's going to try to get the puck out. Whereas, and this is not a knock on Ghost. He's a puck possession player. He's going to look to make a pass or he's going to look to carry the puck out. A team like the Islanders, he'll fall right into their hands. He'll they'll eat they'll eat him up. And this whole power play thing, it cancels itself out. They're not getting power plays against the Islanders. I, I don't I think they've had over two power plays maybe once the whole series. It's been a tight series. There's not a lot of power plays. Right. So I don't and know. I, even when he's been on the power play, it hasn't resulted in much. He's still his shots are still getting blocked. When he goes all out, I've seen his stick. I brought this up before. It exploded on him, you know. And he and when he's out there, I think you're more prone for an odd man rush the other way when yeah. you're on the power play. 
You know, and I mean, listen, it, it, it comes with the territory. You know what you're getting. Like we say, we know what we're getting in Braun. You kind of know what you're getting with Ghost. Offensively and mistakes, he's mistake prone. And in this series, it does not make sense to have ghosts. And this, and seeing like a couple of big games out of Hag, which haven't been, are they the reason that they came back, Hag? Because I thought the first goal was goaltender interference. And I thought the second goal, Hart should have had. And the third goal was, I think that was more on Nate Thompson. So why they had bad games for sure, they're not the reason solely why this game was tied and went in overtime. So like this whole thing, it kind of came out of left field for me. Yeah, uh, guys have bad games. Giroux has bad games. Uh, Gretzky has had a bad game. It happens. Like you know what oh, I mean? No, I mean, you didn't. <laughs> all the old heads are gonna come after game. you now. What'd you say about Gretzky? Yeah, they're all dead. No, no <laughs> they're not. They're all fucking Twitter. <laughs> no, I am one of them. I'm only kidding. Um, but to to solely put it on them and to say, "Oh, Ghost is so much better." That it, it is such a weak straw man's argument it has nothing to do with who's better it's it's you're not even looking at the series or the team you're playing against or how it's being deployed i'd argue like are you even watching the games or you're just looking at stats because it doesn't make any sense you have having had seen what ghost has done since his fantastic year he's he's too much of a liability and we all know it and until this team can go down two or three goals to the islanders and come back and win the game i would I, you just can't put him out there and because the team has never done that a clear message to the the ghost supporters, and like I said, kudos to you guys for remaining loyal. I don't agree with it. You could choose not to stick up for the guy the way you do. Uh, if we're having ghost versus Robert Haig debates, that should tell you a lot about Shane Goss's bear. That like Robert Haig is arguably, arguably a seventh defenseman. He's he's six on the Flyers, but uh. That should tell you a lot. Like, Ghost, we're debating Ghost over Robert Haig. Well, you know what else should tell you a lot? Ghost started this series. He hasn't played since. Like, and I wh- question why do you that. think that is? I question that, dude. I don't mean to change gears here, but we talked, we questioned Elaine Vigneault a little bit. I had questions about that. I'm like, why are we starting Ghost? You know, it didn't make sense to me. Are, you, are, we, are we doing the experiment for one game? I think he finished up the Montreal series kind of strong, right? Maybe that's I why. I think that's why he got to start, to be honest. That with the kind of experiment thing. Yeah, I, I hated that. I'm like, why are we experimenting in the second round against the Islanders? We know what they know what they're playing. He's not going to be something different automatically. He panics with the puck. So yeah, we I, lost 4-0 four four we lost that game. So what does that tell you? And no offense from the offensive defenseman. They didn't score a fucking goal. Sorry. For and to cursing. be honest, like I try to call things how they are. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't kill Ghost. I didn't kill him. You know, I was. Yeah. I was. Oh, it's all Ghost's fault. That's why we lost four nothing. Yeah. Yeah. If Ghost plays well, we'll say yeah. He had a friggin' pretty good game. If he stinks, it's like all right. Experiment's done. Please. We know what we're getting out of Hag. He ain't going to do that. Now to bring this up, what is? the over under on ghost getting moved this offseason i mean for me it's pretty much a foregone conclusion right you got you need the cap room more than you need ghost sitting in the fucking press box i would think so frank Valley on the, the tsn trade bait list had him number six to move which is the highest i've ever seen him on a trade list i mean for the financial reasons with the flat cap uh i don't want to give him away but it's just at this point he just needs to be moved I'm sure that they're dealing with the same issues in their own coaching room. And like, what do we do with this guy? 
Like sometimes he plays good. If he does come out and have a good game, he usually follows that up with a a, uh, a bad game or just a, a nothing, no offense and you know, bare minimum. And at four point four and a half million dollars, why? And then you're risking if he doesn't give you anything offensively, you're risking a lot defensively. So it's just too it's too many issues and not enough positive. So I, try to get something for him. And it's just time to move on. He's not this guy that scored 65 points, at least not in Philly. He's not. Uh, so there was a trade that went down today. And I, you can't really use it as an example because it was a goalie. But the goalie was making $4.5 million. It was Jake Allen in a seventh-round pick from St. Louis to Montreal for a third-round pick and a seventh-round pick. So basically a third for Jake Allen, which if you're St. Louis, it's a straight-up Getting rid of that caps, you can you can potentially sign Alex Petrangelo. I don't know. Teams are going to be forced into these decisions now. If you ask me, and I know that we couldn't predict COVID and all this flat cap stuff, they waited a year too late to to move Ghost. Like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. Now, who could have predicted what could happen? The, if you were going to get value for Shane Gostisbehere, it was last summer. Now teams know. Flyers got some young kids coming up. They got guys they got to sign. They kind of have leverage on the Flyers for Shane Gossespierre. You know what I mean? More so than they did last year, I think. Because now it's like, we know you got to move that 4.5 off the caps. If you want to move them, you want to sign these other guys, take your scraps, take your third, fourth round picks. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I'm hoping you can at least get a second somehow. Sure. The only thing is we don't have uh, Petrangelo that we need to sign. So we're not like they don't see how we could lose a pillar of our team. So I'm hoping that we can make some moves. Uh, I don't think Braun is back. Uh, Kyle had alluded to possibly Thompson, Grant, and Pitlick all not being back. Uh, I don't know. I can't off the top of my head. We talked about this at length before. I'm not sure who the restricted or unrestricted free agents are that we would, you know, any obvious ones we would keep. Uh, they already signed Limblom. I don't know what's going to happen with Patrick, but I don't think they have to do anything as big as St. Louis did. So maybe that gives them some time. Maybe Hopefully, they can yeah. just you know t- tinker. Um, but at the same time, I think you're right about when the time to trade Ghost was. Um, and well, I mean, you know, stranger things have happened, but I still think he gets moved. I have a feeling I'm not going to like the return, but that's just the nature of the business. At this point now, I'm wondering if they could do a whole like, and this is just a name because I'm not even sure that I really want a guy like Max Domi. I'm just throwing out a scenario. Not happy with the situation in Montreal. We saw him playing on the, you know, the bottom six pairings. He wants to play center. That's why he's playing in the bottom six. Uh, he doesn't want to play wing. He didn't want to play wing in the top six pairings with the other guys. He wants to play center. Montreal wanted to get these younger kids, top six ice time, Suzuki, Kakanyami. The only, if they're going to try to maximize value right now for Ghost, they're going to have to trade for a guy in a bad situation with another team. They're going to have to swap bad situations, you know. Uh, maybe the cap is similar, maybe it's not. With Domi, I'm not exactly sure of his cap. I think it's like three or four million. Uh, but I, I like maybe something like that, you know, and they, they get a guy with a better fit on the Flyers roster. I'm just throwing something out there. I don't even, like I said, I don't even want Max Domi. I mean, I, I would take him. <laughs> I, I, I would take a lot to get him, too. Um, I, I think if you're, were you talking one for one? 
Yeah, I'm just throwing something out just to, as an example. I think if we had a Canadian stand on, they would they would revolt. I well, I don't think Montreal's going to have a choice because Max Domi doesn't want to be there. Right. So it, it's going it, to it be. It has got like correct me if I'm wrong. It has gotten to that point where he wants out. It is that bad. Yeah. Because he Dude, was their he, darling uh, last the year. Second, the second the playoffs were over, Max Domi scrubbed all of his social media accounts with anything oh, that says I Montreal. Oh, that. Okay. Yeah, he, he wants, wants to be out. top. And then, and then he fired his agent, who's yep. friends with the GM of the Canadians. Yeah. Well, it's still, okay. Uh, that is shocking, but I did hear that about the um, him scrubbing all the Montreal stuff away. But he's still under contract, so I think it'll be, I think a lot of teams are going to try to lowball them, and they're going to start bidding with each other. And I, I don't think we're going to pull a quick one by any means. Uh, yeah, will he probably be traded for less than what he's worth? Most likely. That is so shocking to me. I still can't believe that. But um, well, I mean, they still owe us after we gave him Dal Weiss for almost nothing. Yeah, my God. <laughs> Kaden, we gave Caden Primo basically too with that seventh round pick swap. Yeah, wow. and and we gave him Nick Cousins. Oh yeah, yeah. They got a what's they got what's and his wheel. name too? And Jordan yeah, Wheel. I Jordan mean, for wheel, Christ's sakes, it's the it's the North Philadelphia Phantoms. Yeah. <laughs> That's where Hackstall should have went too. For real. Yeah, so just a scenario there. I don't want to get like too deep into that, but and I, like I said, again, I'm just throwing out a name like uh, like Domi because the situation's weird. I think he will get moved. Maybe it's an opportunity for two players to swap and change the scenery. He does want to play center though, and he wants I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with Nolan Patrick? I take a healthy Nolan Patrick over a healthy Max Domi. So we'll see what happens. Uh, how do we get on that? For, oh, Shane Goss' Sparrows. How do we get on Max Domi from from uh, Ghost Hague? Mm-hmm. But uh, that was a more fun topic for me anyway than talk about than talking about Ghost versus Hague. So let's move on a little bit here, guys. Uh, I wanted to bring up the potential tides turning in this series. Not so much momentum. Just that the Flyers seem to be waking up. I think we saw it in Game 5. They started to take over the game a little bit. Uh, we mentioned before the show, Barry Trotz came out and said that that was their worst game in the playoffs since they started. Even though they won, he was the least happy with that performance. Game, I'm sorry, that was game four. Game five, the Flyers came out and basically, even though they gave up the first goal, Flyers controlled play. They looked like the Flyers team that we've watched for most of the season. The ones that we've missed during these whole playoffs. Now they gave they they let up a little bit. For five minutes left. The, the uh, Islanders scored two quick ones, but for 56 minutes of that game, I think the Flyers were in pretty good uh, control. Do you think this is a trend that we're going to continue to see in Game Six? Now it's not so much momentum, just that the tides in these games are switching to the Flyers a little bit. If they figured something out, then yeah, we better because we we this is what we saw last night was the Flyers team we were more accustomed to. Mm-hmm. I remember after the first penalty kill because their penalty kill hasn't been stellar by any means, but they shut them down. They barely let them get any shots. I'm like, this is the penalty kill that I remember from the regular season. It was nice to see them back, and this is the first game in quite a while that they didn't give us the full sixty, but pretty close to it. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, now you're in the thick of it. You're in game six. I don't see why not. I can't. I, it would it would be so demoralizing to me 
is if they came out flat. I could you see that? I can't see that. I can't, but I like I'm thinking of you remember like they used to have a series, I think, with the Sabres or like the Devils where they look like they were ready to fight back and like game six or game seven shows up and the next thing you know, you're looking at like an eight nothing score. Do you remember those <laughs> those times? <laughs> so I always have that like in the back of my mind, like, all right, the Flyers are finally back. They're gonna come out, force game seven, and it's like eight nothing. Like, Jesus, dude. Well, you know whose fault that is, right? Who? Dave Haxtell. <laughs> I mean, who gets blown out in big game situations? Dave Haxtell's flyers every yeah. time. Every time. And what do you think, Kyle? Like, is this, is the play from the last two games, is it, is it legit or is it like the Islanders kind of fell asleep for a game and a half? They think they got this locked up. Or is it the flyers taking over a little bit? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. The Flyers have seemed to get back to their game a bit in the last two games. Uh, again, we have yet to see a full 60 minutes from the Flyers, which is concerning to me. I mean, how do you blow a 3-1 lead? Like, that should have... Yeah, that, that should have... You know that's in the back of their heads. Yep. You know that's in the back of their heads. The second the Islanders start flying around in the third period, that bench is going, oh, shit. What do we do? Like, so I really need to see a solid 60, man, from all the way through. If you're the Islanders, there's no lead and there's no point in any game that you can't come back now. You have full confidence. You're down three to one with five minutes left. Hey, we did it before. If you're the Flyers, you're holding a two lead with five minutes left. All right, guys, we got to finish this one strong. You know, they did it twice to us. Maybe it yeah, gives them more it. confidence. Sorry, Jack, what? go ahead. That's the other thing. What's going on in the Islanders locker room? Because he is, until he's dethroned, Trotz is the best coach in the league. And you got to figure he's going to get his team back on track. And that's what's concerning. And Kyle said this last night. You're not winning three from the Islanders. And it does seem like quite the tall task. And one of the reasons why, besides how good they've played, is Trotz. And I'm thinking to myself, he's not going to let the Flyers sneak back into this and suddenly have the, all the momentum in game seven, which is why game six is the biggest hurdle for me at this point. So what could he possibly be saying or doing with his team? And it, it keeps me up at night, man, <laughs> Like because I, I, I'm afraid of the guy. Like he knows what he's doing. He's the best coach in the league. And I, I'm, I'm kind of the flyers better be playing a full 60 tomorrow. Or I think it, we're going to see real quick how good of a coach he is and how good the Islanders are. And we're going to be in trouble. It would be nice to be a fly on the wall in those meetings just to see what goes on. Yes. Uh, I should mention real quick, they showed a graphic on TV. Uh, Elaine Vigneault has come back at least once when trailing 3-1 in a playoff series. And that was when he was with the New York Rangers against the Washington Capitals, coached by Barry Trotz. Interesting little factoid, I thought, there. Hmm. So he's done it before. You know, if he needs to, if he needs to, you know, uh, look back on anything to to prove that he can do it. There you go. What better well, example? Well, we haven't really talked about it too much, so I'll bring this up. So, who do you think his best player was on that Rangers team? Kevin Hayes. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Lundqvist. Yeah. And uh, yeah, by, that far and that, and that bring up Hart and kind of alluded to it earlier. I mean. How have you felt? I felt overall he's played phenomenally, but he's at times looked a little leaky. That's all it takes for the Islanders to get a lead. And 
they don't have to score much to beat us. And that, and I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. Hart's played awesome. I don't want to kill him by any means. I don't know what happened on that second goal. He, he definitely should have had it. I could see a potential screen, but it was so far out. Um, that's where you got to score on Hart, man. They're putting the, I mean, you guys know you play hockey. That's like the perfect shot with these goalies that go down on their knees. Like they can't get that shit unless you're going to save it with your head. As soon as they go down that over the shoulder shots, almost like, how can you get that? You know, it was in a weird spot. That's for sure. That's the second time they hit Hart with that. I forget who scored the first one. Uh, so I like you could give him shit for that, sure, because he should have stopped it. But I think that's a tough spot for a goalie to save a shot. I think. Like I said, I, I don't know. Uh, well, it it is. Yeah, no, I agree. It was in a weird spot where it gives you that sense of do I use my head or my glove? Like you know, and that's all it takes to whiz by you. Right. If he literally just stood up, he would have stopped it. You know, if he would have just like stood a, in the way. You ever like? The only way I know how to, to compare this is is like baseball in the outfield. Like if you get a ball hit to you where you want to have your glove one way and at the last second you want to like undercut it and yeah. you end up screwing up the play, it's a lot faster for a goalie. So, I mean, I, yeah, it, it looked it looked bad. It looked odd. I'm not going to kill him. But in games before that, right actually before he was sat, not sat, he didn't just didn't play in game uh, four for Elliott. He had those goals where it looked like he made the save, and then the puck just kind of squirted through. I think there's been like three goals. Well, some of them are Elliott, but like he's been a little leaky at times. And I think that it, the issue with that is we've anointed him the savior, and we expect you know nothing perfection. but perfection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, unfortunately in game six, I think he is going to have, this is the one game where I think he really is going to have to be pretty damn close. He's going to he's gonna have to be, I mean, we've seen Carter Hart stand on his head before. If we win game six, I'm calling it now. It's going to be Carter Hart's win. I totally agree. As I, as I said, we said last night, Kyle, if I see, uh, them winning it, it's going to be like a two to one. There's no way they're winning like five to four or anything. It's going to be a, if the, if the flyers win. It will be a low-scoring close game. The Islanders going to feel any pressure tomorrow night? I Not think yet. If the Flyers go up early, do they feel pressure? You think? No, because they could, every time the Flyers go up, they tie it. So yeah, it's... he's got a good point there. I was going to say originally, Trotz will make him feel it or whatever, but you know what? Not really. They're so they're just good at what they do, and they really don't seem to panic. You know, they go down to the Flyers. It's almost like we'll get it back, and they usually do. They The only thing they haven't done this season is score an overtime goal. They have done everything possible in this series except for they've shut us out, they've blown us out, they've won the close ones, they've come back. The only thing they haven't done is score an overtime goal. Yeah, it's true. I just, I just thought I'd ask there because I'm looking for a way for the Flyers to kind of mentally take this series over and – I'm trying to look for points where they could have maybe instilled some doubt in the Islanders' minds, and there's really no point. The two games they won, they've they've won, they scored, and the game's done. You know, the Islanders haven't had any any time to think about, you know, what just happened. Like we're getting our asses whooped. They've gotten scored on. Boom, game over. Let's get ready for tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So nothing really to dwell on. They kind of reset. They refocus. I, I they're like a machine for me. You know, they could be down three one and. They're going to play the full 60 minutes, which we've seen. Uh, let's touch on some things from the game. We have about 10 minutes left in the show. The first thing I want to bring up here, guys, the Farabee hit. Because I woke up today, and there's a lot of... I don't, 
So people on Twitter told me they were making fun of Montreal fans with this stuff. And from what I saw, it didn't seem like a lot of making fun. It seemed like Flyers fans were out crying over the Farabee hit like the Montreal fans were crying over the Niskanen hit. And if you remember, we were all bitching at the Montreal uh, fan base for making it a bigger thing than it was. What do you guys think of the Pelican hit on Joel Farabee? I think it's unfortunate that Farabee is only, what, 5'11"? Yeah, which <laughs> is it's... funny because that's what we said about um, Gallagher. I'm fortunate that he's only 5'6 and took that cross-check to the mouth. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I was actually surprised. I didn't even – somebody saw, saw like a still shot and it was kind of like showing his head making contact. And I didn't think anything of it at, during the play. I just thought he got hit. It looked clean to me. You know, I, I, I didn't until people started making a big deal. But I do think a lot of it is in jest. Um, you saw Rush Joy's like mockery or the black and white with the arms of an angel song. Like, you know, that was funny. And that was making fun of Montreal. I think most of it is making fun of Montreal, even facetiously. But there's always going to be people out there that are, you know, and I can be like this at times. Uh, woe is me. And anything bad that happens to me or my team, you're going to hear from me. Uh, you, you, that'll always happen. Um, I would like to think, and based on what I've seen, is it's mostly a mockery of Montreal. Kyle, have you seen pretty much the same thing on there? Yeah, I mean, I, people are going to complain like no matter party. what. It, yeah. it was. He was trying to reach. He, well, he, I believe he passed the puck, right? Yeah, he, he made a he got out of the zone. The park, yeah. But he yeah. was kind of, yeah, he was like lunging. He was low. Pelic already committed to the hit. It's just a hockey play, dude. You're in a bad position. Pelic didn't murder him either. Like, he just kind of lowered his shoulder and hit him. All right, it's hockey. That's a contact fucking sport. Yeah, yeah it's, I, didn't, it's I, didn't, I really didn't have any issues with it. Nah, it's funny because as, as fans of the game, we're clamoring all playoffs long for some physicality. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it happens to be on one of our players, and I, I just don't like the whole, you know, cry one way, but when it happens to us, you know, it's not it's illegal. I don't know. That, that, it, it rubs me the wrong way. Physical hockey, is, it works both ways. Sometimes your guys are going to get laid out. It's the way it is. And it just so happened to be their biggest defenseman on, you know, one of our young studs who's maybe 160 pounds soaking wet, you know? That's the way it goes sometimes. One thing I did want to point out, but it kind of made me laugh, uh, that the biggest hit so far in the series still has Ross Johnson out with a concussion. (laughs) And I said earlier in that game, I said, just hit Ross Johnson until he can't play hockey anymore. And uh, apparently Matt Niskanen took my advice. (laughs) Yeah, see, at the, at the end of the day, as you guys are saying, it's hockey. You know, it, if, honestly, if this was not being made fun of for whatever reason, I wouldn't even have thought of it. You know, it's nothing that stuck with me. After everything that stuck with me after the game, this was not even close to one of them. Yeah, me neither. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, another controversial moment in that game was the goalie interference goal. You guys touched on it a little bit last night on Flyers Therapy. Uh if you guys haven't listened, listeners, make sure you go check that one out too. Uh, give your thoughts once more. Have you guys kind of changed your mind at all since last night? Are you thinking a different way or still kind of the same as last night? 
this is how I feel, and I've always felt this way. There's things out there such as Area 51, the lost city of Atlantis, the Egyptian pyramids, Stonehenge, the second gunman on the grassy knoll, and goaltender interference, all the greatest mysteries of the earth we live on. Because I don't know what it is anymore, and I don't think I ever will. <laughs> Did you he read that, that off a script? Perfect. No, he didn't. He was looking at the screen the whole time. That was fucking good. Did you rehearse that? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'll give my quick thought real quick here. It, in real time, the first thing I thought was Barzal's in the crease. Obviously, he was pushed in the crease. Took his sweet old time getting out. And you knew that they weren't going to call goalie interference. There was nothing you could really do. I uh, didn't didn't actually make contact with Hart. There was a player in between him and Hart, but he clearly impacted the goalie on whether or not he could make the save. Was that goalie interference? I don't know. What did bother me about that, though, is he had a direct... What's the word I'm looking for? Without him in that crease, does the puck go into the net? Because it goes off of him and in, doesn't it? Um. Yeah, this is what me and Kyle discussed last night. Uh, I think if he's not there, and Kyle brought this up, it, it probably still goes in because Pitlick fell on Hart. However, that's not how the rules written written at all. <laughs> like you can't, you cannot take out real estate in the crease. I mean, this was worse than a three second violation in the NBA. That's it was the point. first ever Statue of Liberty play in the NHL. It's unbelievable. The rules, I have them right in front of me. If an attacking player establishes a significant position within the goal crease so as to obstruct the goalkeeper's vision and impair his ability to defend his goal and a goal is scored, the goal will be disallowed. He was in the crease. If Hart wanted to get over to his left, he couldn't because a player was there. That, that does not matter that somebody was already on him. Because he won, he probably could if he really wanted to get over more. But there was so much pile up in there that the rule is pretty clear. You cannot be in the crease for that long. He established a significant position within the crease. He didn't leave the crease until after the goal was scored. Mm -hmm. You have to make an attempt to leave. He did. He kind of like went in, kind of fell backwards, and was hung out for a bit, had some tea, and after the goal was scored, then he skated out. How many goaltender interferences have we seen that the guy the defenseman shoves the forward into the goalie clear as day. And it's called goaltender interference, but this isn't what like, it just blows my mind. There is no, they don't know what the rule is. It's like a catch in football. They don't know what it is. They don't know how to write it. They don't know how to call it. And they just, I swear they flip a coin or something. And if this wasn't goaltender interference, I can think about a 15 more that were that need to be called back. I agree. I mean, obviously as a flyers fan, I'm like, they could call this for the Flyers if they want to. You know, they can it could be a zero zero game. It's eliminate elimination game. Why why give them a goal, you know? But, you know, unfortunately, like you said, you could flip a coin and call it either way. And call went against the Flyers. It didn't end up mattering. Flyers won the game. But you would you would still like to see some consistency with the goaltender. I've even seen they give they'll call off a goal and not give a penalty because there was some kind of interference, right? Have you, you guys have seen these, right? And it's I've like, seen well, it, yeah. It's like, well, wait a second. Because goaltender interference usually results in a penalty. So the penalty is taking away a goal. Shouldn't somebody get a penalty there or something? You know what I mean? 
So it, it, the I only time to... a goal takes away a penalty is when the attacking team that or the team that took the penalty gets scored on instead of yeah. the penalty you get they get the goal the team that scores. It's like the opposite happens here. Like the goal is disallowed, but we're not going to give you a penalty. So it's like a yeah. do- it, it's it thought it would be both. I, I don't know the rules. Nothing is consistent. I have no idea. Maybe it's only a penalty if you clearly interfere with the goalie and no goal is scored to begin with. Like you just skate into him, you know, and take him out, and the puck like goes out of play or something. Maybe then is when it's a penalty. But whenever it's a goal, it's just it just falls under a different umbrella of rules. I really don't know. It's so odd that something so vital has the most open to interpretation put it in the referee's hands which is never a good idea uh way about it and it's stupid and it's silly and it's a complete mystery so every time it gets reviewed i just hold my breath and pray that's basically what i did too (sighs) all right so with no further ado we're coming up on an hour i have something to ask Kyle about from oh. last night's show. Oh boy. <laughs> this Nate Thompson slander. <laughs> I, I just won't have it. I won't have it. <laughs> like why? Why did you give in to the mob last night? Why did you do it? Bro. It, that was one of the worst shifts of hockey I've ever seen. Uh, for... A single shift and you're going to sw- you're going to yeah. sway your vote. You're going to give up. You're communist, dude. Huh? <laughs> You gave in to the mob. <laughs> what, what, what do you have to say for yourself? That Nate Thompson had a fucking bad game, and his bad game cost us a regulation victory. That's it. Don't lose the defensive zone faceoff, and then also turn over the puck twice in the same shift. Wait, I'm confused. I thought everything was Hag's fault. How do we get on the Thompson? Because oh. that was mostly Thompson's fault. Hag was definitely puck watching. <laughs> <laughs> they all need to be gone. Jim, you you don't, you you big Nate Thompson fan over there? You seem to not really like that. No, I'm not a Nate Thompson fan, but I, he needs <laughs> the defender needs a defender. I'm the defender of the defenders. You know what I mean? You're a man and, of the people, that's for sure. <laughs> like, I, sometimes I just don't understand. And and Kyle's not really guilty of it. Just last night. I mean, you you weren't wrong last night. I'm I'm half messing with you, but some of the stuff that you'd see on Twitter, you you would think that he's the direct result for the reason why the team has been playing the way they've been playing, and it's just not true. I think even Charlie O'Connor finally admitted it. Thank you, by the way. I mean, uh, he's not the he's not the problem on this team. Now, if you do have a problem with Nate Thompson. It's that he's playing so many minutes. Played 17-plus minutes in last night's game. It went to overtime. Sean Couturier got hurt. There's your bump in minutes for Nate Thompson. Who's deploying Nate Thompson? He's not jumping over the bench and saying, oh, I'm going to go get my ice time. Right? It's Elaine Vigneault. So if you have a problem with Nate Thompson playing 17 minutes in a hockey game, start bitching about Elaine Vigneault. Because Nate Thompson, no one's saying he's good. No one's saying that. I'm not saying that. But he can only do so much. Like, I don't know what you expect from the guy. He's he's playing 17 minutes a night. He's going to turn the puck over once or, once or twice in his own zone. Unfortunately, sometimes it leads to goals. That's what happened. It could happen to anybody. It happened to Nate Thompson. 
So, I, Kyle, I'm not coming at you here. I'm kind of just talking to the Twitter world or, you know, anybody that wants to talk bad about Nate Thompson. Before you say anything about Nate Thompson, look at the five or six or seven or eight or nine, ten other reasons why the Flyers aren't playing well. You got six, six right there in the top two lines. If you even want to go as far as to say the next three on the third line, there's nine reasons right there before you get to Nate Thompson. So I get it. He's the whipping boy, right? Your fourth-line center is out there playing too much. But he ain't going to score for you. He, he's not the guy to go after. That's all I want to say. I just had to get it off my chest. Well, if I could, Jim, there's a um, an underlying thing here. I noticed it earlier in the show and on other shows, too, recent ones. Uh, seems you have a little bit issue with Nate, uh, no, Nate with the Vigneault's, uh decision-making. Uh, is this something you want to get off your chest there? Yeah, I'm wondering if if regular season Elaine Vigneault is different from postseason Elaine Vigneault. I, I didn't really question him in the Montreal series, but I questioned him almost instantly in the New York Islanders series. I mean, you could start questioning him in the Montreal one because he was playing Nate Thompson so much, right? And it's like, ah, oh, that's kind of that's kind of odd. Why is Nate Thompson getting the same amount of minutes as Claude Giroux through two periods? You know, and then we're seeing it more in this series. You know, he pulls the goalie with eight minutes left in the game. Uh, that really bothered me. Uh, he started Shane Gossespierre for, you know, in a series where you're not expecting a lot of power plays, uh, and you know the Islanders pressure the puck, you're going to start one of your most turnover-prone defensemen in the first game of the series. You know, like, like I get it's the first game. You're not going to lose a series in game one, so you can experiment a little bit. But it it bothered me a little bit. Like, go with your true and trusted defenseman, Robert Haig. You know, he's going to make mistakes, but they don't lead directly to goals. Yeah, I've, I've had some issues with Vigneault. If you have an issue with Nate Thompson playing 15-plus minutes a night, then come out and say you got a problem with Elaine Vigneault. Don't shit over Nate, all over Nate Thompson. A, a guy like Nate Thompson is going to play 15 minutes, he's going to make mistakes. Be mad at the guy putting him out there for 15 minutes. That's just the reality of it, you know? I don't know. So, yeah, I do have some questions about Vigneault. I still love the guy. I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's having a rough series. He's going up against a generational coach in Barry Trotz. So, can't really fault him that much. Maybe he's out thinking himself a little bit, though. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see the guys come around the last couple games, though, for sure. Kind of get his back. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue that. I, that was well said. Um, so, with that, uh, I wanted to bring up the third periods for these guys and – after this third period, little topic here, we'll wrap up with, we'll each give a key to game six, what we think, you know, the Flyers need to do in order to secure a game six victory leading to a game seven. But well, actually, you know what? Let's do that now because I, this one was kind of my key. And I guess I'll start since I have it right in front of me. The Flyers got to fix this third period. You know, Jack, you alluded to it. The Flyers are going to win this game six. It's going to have to be a low scoring game. Carter Hart's going to have to come up big. Uh, the Flyers need to play a full 60 minutes. They need to clean up the third period, getting outscored 10 to 2. 10 to 2. They're giving up two goals a fucking period in the third period. They need to clean that up. If they give up two goals in the third period tomorrow night, they're losing. Flat out. Uh, so for me, my key is play full 60 minutes, clean up that third period, and you know, maybe we'll see game seven. What do you think, guys? Um, my key is gonna, and I alluded to this earlier, it's gonna be Carter Hart. Uh, as good as he's played, I'm giving him just just one goal. I don't know, no softies, maybe one leaky, or if it's not his fault. I mean, it's only so much you can do, but he's going to have to do 
the best he can to keep this game as close as possible and to give the Flyers a real chance here. This is probably going to be the biggest test of his career, and I think he's up for the challenge. I want the defense to do their thing, but it is going to come down to hard. He's the last line of defense. Well, since you guys took the two easy keys, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say my key to the game tomorrow, um, third and final key for HW, is going to be offense. You're going to need to bury your pucks tomorrow night. There is not going to be – you're not going to win a one nothing game. If you, you score one goal, I think what, – what do they have right now? Uh, six in the last two. Uh, last. How many did they score last night? Four and then, yeah, six. Two. Six in the last two? You need to keep that going. I, I need to see th- at least three more goals tomorrow night if we got a chance of winning. Okay. All right, so they got to put the puck in the net. The, they, the only games they've won, they've scored four goals. But, Jim, your stat was no team has scored four goals. Do you really see them doing that in games six and seven? I don't know, man. I don't know. And and it feels kind of silly to say, hey, the key to this game is score four times because it's a lot easier said than done, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, unfortunately, and I don't want to take credit here because, it, you know, Flyers have proved me right. In the, in the only two games they've won, they've scored four goals against the Islanders. The only two times in the playoffs the Islanders have given up four goals is the two games that they've lost to the Flyers. The Are they going to be able so, to do that in regulation? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you brought it. I was going to say those are both overtime games, and only three of those goals are regulation. The other thing we didn't really talk enough about, and it just came to mind, is if they have a lead, they need to close the goddamn game out because this is getting ridiculous. Yep. I don't care what the score is. They need to they need to get the lead and close it the fuck out. I agree. Yeah, I think I'm feeling the same thing you guys are, like a 2-1, 3-2. If they can get an empty net goal, oh, my God, it'd be a fucking gift. Uh, like 2-1, to one, 3-1. One. I think you guys are hitting a nail on the head with that. What did we miss? Did we miss anything we wanted to touch on, guys? Tom Seaver died at age 75. But that could be fake, too. So. Rest in peace, Tommy. It's not. It's real. <laughs> Flyers, let's do it for Tommy Seaver tomorrow. Uh, let's, get our, let's get our promos out, guys. Like a Macho Man Randy Savage promo? Listen, oh. Islanders, you're going to take it up the ass tomorrow. <laughs> 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 might have to edit that one out. <laughs> that might be a perfect soundbite, actually. We'll do a Macho Man theme. <laughs> I didn't sound like him at all either. Oh shit! Okay, Jack, get your show out there, dude. Full circle, high and wide, full circle with me and Steve Ferrari. Um, that's the only other show I'm doing right now, Jim. Well, make sure you guys listen to Flyers Therapy too. We had a, a rare Flyers Therapy episode. It's few, few and far between for Flyers Therapy. It was a very entertaining episode. I had the pleasure of editing that one for the boys. Uh, make sure you check it out. Kyle, you getting Enforcer's Corner started up? I know you got some guests. You've been talking to some guys. Yeah, I'm trying to get it uh, going again. And hopefully I got some things in the works for next week. And I'll have a couple more Enforcer's Corners out for you guys. Yeah, cool. Make sure you guys check that out. That's all, Those are always fun episodes. Uh, what do we have going on at High and Wide? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What's today? Wednesday. Check out the Flyers Therapy. Friday, we're going to have the Bright Side coming out with Josh Bright. This weekend, we might have an episode, Jim and Jim, with uh, actually, 
it's the Jim and Jim Dowd show now. Just had to separate that a little bit. Uh, what else do we got? HW Derek Settlemeyer coming up next week. Check out the old episodes. They're pretty awesome stories there. Uh, I still crack up at the Phil Kessel story with the uh, with the pop. Oh There's my no pop in my six. Dude, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> I got no pop. So yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Check those episodes out, guys. They're pretty hilarious. Uh, Derek's got some great stories. And uh, yeah, we're gonna wrap up. Hopefully, we're back next week uh, talking about what we'll be talking about round three. Hopefully, we're hopefully we're talking about round three. You bring, uh, you bring up a good uh, a good point, Jim, because we made this podcast on a Wednesday, th- hoping that we'd still be alive, and we are. So it's a good sign. Yeah. So hopefully, this time next week, we're talking about round three, boys and girls. If not. Well, we'll see what we're going to talk about then. So we're going to wrap up. <laughs> Thanks What's for listening, everybody's guys. Favorite color? Yeah. Thanks for listening as always, guys. And we'll be back next week. Take care.